Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to another edition of the Samusel Podcast on the Ambiguous Network. And right now, I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. Right now, I'm going to be talking about the new Richard Jewell trailer, along with box office records Joker is about and predicted to break during the month of October. But the first thing I want to dive into is the world of Pandora. And yesterday, there was a photo that was released from the Avatar's Twitter feed and also Instagram and other social medias. And basically, it wasn't anything revealing. It wasn't anything jaw-dropping. It was just a behind-the-scenes photo of James Cameron and a few of his crew members filming something in a body of water with flames around them. It seemed like an action sequence with green screen behind them. And it was just basically a shot showing, I think, the scope of what this kind of production is going to be. And... This film is directed by James Cameron, and the backstory really of of Avatar really is the fact that it came out in 2009, it grossed a billion dollars up until this year, before Avengers Endgame came, it was the highest grossing film of all time, and James Cameron took years to, to develop the, the first film before it came out in 2009, and now it's taken him, and it's going to be about a decade plus before the next movie comes out in which it seems like he's been building a bunch of underwater mechanics to film underwater and explore the sea world around Pandora and other worlds potentially in the next Avatar sequels. And I say sequels because Disney, which now owns 20th Century Fox, which is where Avatar came from, it's going to be multiple sequels according to reports and from James Cameron. It's going to be... Four additional sequels that'll make up five movies in total. So you're going to get two, three, four, and five. Two and three right now are in production. They're set to come out in on December of 2021 and 2023. And then if two and three deliver up to the same standards as maybe what Avatar did, grossing a billion dollars or so, because the production budget on these is probably huge, they're going to be two more sequels that will film, and they're going to come out in 2025 and 2027 in December and all around the same time. Second one on the 17th of December, third one December 22nd, fourth December 19th, and fifth one December 17th, going back to the second date when it came out uh, on December 17th. But And the first Avatar came out on December as well. And so, again, it, it I think this picture doesn't reveal a lot, but I think it just shows the scope of of what Cameron is trying to do and if there's somebody that we should trust in doing a production like this and delivering on it it is James Cameron I think he's going to deliver us a incredible theatrical experience which is what he is all about and he's been about that for years and years and years he's delivered some of the greatest films of all time when we talk about greatest sci-fi films we talk about alien aliens and terminator 2 we talk about terminator we talk about the abyss we talk about titanic we talk about avatar even though avatar was critically received well it still was about the 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 theatrical experience seeing this world on the big screen and he introduced us to really the world of immersive 3D that a lot of studios, especially in the early 2010s, it was really a big trend of converting to 3D and offering 3D, but people didn't really bite on that. And it's kind of died down. 3D still around, but it's not the same big hoo-ha as it was when Cameron released Avatar 10 years ago to the day. And we're, it's, it's amazing that especially the sequels of Avatar were supposed to come out in 2015 and then they keep getting pushed back and back and back. Then it was supposed to come out 
next year. But then once Disney acquired Fox, they decided to push back Avatar and do it in 2021 instead. And so when Avatar 2 comes out, if it stays on the projected date, it'll be coming out on 2021, which will be 11 years since the first Avatar came out. And it's it's going to be interesting to see if the same... I don't know if the same box office tangent will be there, but if it'll still have the same name recognition, people will remember it because people that might have been younger in 2009 are going to be 11 years older maybe if they're married or if they have kids or siblings and they want to take them out to see Avatar 2 and 3 and onward. And I think, <coughs> excuse me, I think that's really the interesting part that a lot of people have a lot of questions on. I don't think people are going to have questions on on if Cameron can deliver because I will never ever doubt the king of the box office at who's now has the second and third highest ranked films of all time and it took a film from 2019 to dethrone James Cameron because over the last two decades and plus Cameron has been the king of the box office in terms of Titanic was the highest grossing film of all time from 1997 on to 2009 in which Avatar came out and it dethroned Titanic and that was directed by James Cameron, and, <coughs> excuse me, Kevin Feige came back, Kevin Feige was the one who dethroned, and Feige's now the king of the box office, so I think for Cameron, I still don't doubt him whatsoever, he hasn't lost his touch, and he, he takes his time with his, his films, he researches them, he knows what he wants to do, and if he wants to incorporate new technology, he fiddles around with it, kind of like a scientist, He's I always think of him as a movie scientist, and that he always experiments and makes sure that everything is in the shape that it needs to be and that everything is working so that when he goes into production, he can incorporate all these elements and kind of doing research and then you record your data. He's doing his research and then going on to shoot these movies. And they're all going to be interweaving between Avatar films and Star Wars films in December. So it seems Disney is going to be the king at the December box office for at least a good portion of the 2020s between Avatar and Star Wars. Guys, what do you think of this photo from Avatar 2? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now going on to some box office news. It came out earlier this morning that Fandango announced and, and said that according to all their pre-sellers that Joker is set to break not just October box office records but DC records over the last few years. And that Joker is primed to have a huge box office run and a huge weekend, opening weekend, that starts tonight with opening previews coming out for Joker, which is directed by Todd Phillips, and stars Joaquin Phoenix as a deterior, as the as the titled character, the Clown Prince of Crime himself, based off the DC comic book character that is Batman's arch nemesis. And what's interesting is, right now, it was according to Eric Davis over at Fandango, that right now Joker is outpacing other DC titles that are set in the DCEU. And for Joker, it's it's a origin story that's not connected to the DCEU whatsoever. It's its own standalone film. But still, it's still being produced by Warner Brothers and DC, even though it's not connected to their overall universe. But regardless, though, it is outpacing Aquaman, Shazam, and Wonder Woman in terms of opening weekend gross. And now, when we look at their opening weekend gross, the highest opening weekend out of all three of those titles was Wonder Woman that came out in June of 2017 and that grossed 103 million dollars in its opening weekend Shazam grossed 53 million and Aquaman grossed 76 million dollars at the box office all of their respective opening weekends 
And box office prognosticators have had Joker in between the 80 to $100 million range of that's where it's going to land its opening weekend. So right now, they're saying that Eric Davis and Fandango are saying that Joker is outpacing all three of these DC titles. And Wonder Woman is that tail end where it could gross between around 103 maybe $104 million and become the highest grossing DC title that they have had. And even, again, it's not incorporated into the DCEU, but it is still a part of the DC studios, a DC company that makes these movies. So this would be a huge win for them. But also what's interesting is that it's outpacing It and It Chapter 2, which were huge wins for Warner Brothers in terms of when It came out in 2017. That was a huge win for Warner Brothers, grossing around $120 million its opening weekend. And then It Chapter 2 grossed at around $93, $91 million its opening weekend. So it kind of teetered off, but still, it's a great opening weekend to open in September. And It Chapter 2 is looking to end at around... $400, $500 million at the box office worldwide. And and the first It Chapter grossed, finished at around $700 million worldwide, becoming the highest grossing R-rated horror film of all time. And that, I think, to me, is really interesting that a clown can defeat a clown. And for Warner Brothers, this is just huge for them. And that this film that just cost around $55 million before marketing, really, with the trailers, TV spots, and other promotional ads that this film could really kick a lot of butt and do a lot of damage to the box office and help really be a big benefit for Warner Brothers that has really struggled, except for in the fall they've had a great start, but in the summertime and the spring they were teetering off a little bit. Godzilla, The Kitchen, it was Blinded by the Light wasn't a big hit for them per se. and so. But over the last two months with It Chapter 2 and now it seems like with Joker, Warner Brothers is getting back on track with the box office at least. And even with the 75%, it's in in good enough graces with fans and critics that even though there's a lot of divisiveness around this movie and controversy, it seems like people are building on that hype and that no press is bad press and that it seems like this movie is – people are going to check this out for better or for worse. And then also what Fandango put out, put out is that Joker is outpacing to become the all-time pre-seller in October, beating – the precursor, which was Venom, which came out last year with Tom Hardy, and then Halloween, which also came out last year with Jamie Lee Curtis. And Venom also holds the highest grossing opening weekend in October with $80.2 million. But it seems like the, the clown Prince of Crime could be in its way of keeping that for more than a year and that Joker might have that title in short order this weekend. But it's all going to come down to what happens, I think, as we get the preview night screenings, the, the results of the box office tomorrow and then Friday, and then we finally get the weekend box office on Sunday, we'll see where it's projected. But I think especially what's going to be key is the Friday totals. At the Friday, because opening night, it can give it an indication of when, of what it's going to land around, but it's really going to be the Friday numbers that is going to be a big indicator of where this movie is going to end up on the spectrum in in the history spectrum for Warner Brothers and I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this movie. But guys, are you, what do you think of all these records being being potentially broken by the box office? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section below and leave your thoughts. Now to go over to some Oscar talk 
and it doesn't have to do with the Joker, which has been getting a lot of buzz. It has to do with, the, again, the highest grossing film of all time, the biggest film of this year, Avengers Endgame. Marvel Studios and Disney have begun the Oscar campaign for Avengers Endgame. It was it received high praise, the highest grossing film of all time now, the highest grossing opening weekend of all time. It is a huge accomplishment for Marvel Studios and Disney, and they think they have a really good shot of getting some Oscar love in terms of getting nominations at least, especially last year with Black Panther Black Panther getting a lot of nominations and winning three of them, and they got nominated for Best Picture. So Marvel Studios is hoping for the same thing this year, and they put in a bunch of considerations for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay, which I absolutely love, and I hope that at least gets a nomination because I think the script is incredible. And then, of course, you have a lot of the -the below-the-line factors, such as Best Visual Effects, Best Score, and a few others as well. But the biggest one that is kind of odd and people were thought that maybe they would campaign for this specific actor for everything he's done with the MCU and if there's if there were any actors they would give it to him maybe there is no acting consideration for any of them specifically for Robert Downey Jr. who to me did an incredible job as Tony Stark in this movie as he's done for almost 10 years as Iron Man but surprisingly they're not campaigning for Downey now Maybe they're not campaigning for him now. Maybe they're going to field it out a little bit, see what happens down the line. But right now, in terms of submitting things in for the Academy and saying, like, hey, when you see this movie again, think of think of the categories for Best Picture. Think of the direction. Think of the, 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 the screenplay. But they're not having people consider the acting in this movie now. Again, it, maybe that has to do with they just want to focus on the movie. And especially, I think, because it is – even though Downey is – the he is the front man he is the person that you think about the most in terms of the arc that he has in this movie and that it really is his story but at the same time there's so many great performances not just from Downey who it delivers an exceptional performance but you also have Chris Evans you have Scarlett Johansson you have Mark Ruffalo you have it's really in an, an ensemble piece and even when you heard about Oscar talk for Downey People were wondering, should he put him in Best Actor? Should he put him in Best Supporting Actor? What is he really in the movie? And maybe Marvel and Disney couldn't really figure out where they wanted to put him. And I think especially now that we've had a lot of the festivals come out and we get we have our early indication of what the Oscar playing field is going to be, it seems like the Best Acting and Supporting Actor categories are stacked this year. And it's going to come down to people getting cut that – we might be surprised about when once nomination morning comes in January. So I think Marvel didn't want to put Downey in that position of maybe he campaigns, but he doesn't get it, and he just doesn't want to do that right now. And that it's such a crowded field that they don't want to that that they don't know if they're going to get it or not, and that Downey might be snubbed. But they're still campaigning for the movie, and I'm happy for that. Then again, like I said, I hope at least the Academy looks at best adapted screenplay. I would love for Avengers Endgame to get some Academy Award love at Best Picture and Best Director. I mean, the Roosters did a great job, but if I could choose one out of all these in terms of the top-tier categories to give it to, I would give it to Best Adapted Screening because I think what Marcus and McFeely did for this movie and weaving in not just this storyline from Avengers Infinity War, but also weaving in a 10-year, 10-plus-year 22-story interconnected storyline together and giving finality to something that 
you even though it's continuing now, it, it, it put, like they said, a period on this, and it brought finality and, and closure to a lot of these characters in ways that you wouldn't think was possible and delivered fan-pleasing moments and emotional moments and funny moments and dramatic moments, and they weaved them in so amazingly well that you were happy one minute and then you were crying the next and happy tears and sad tears, and it was... It was a roller coaster of a screenplay that Marcus and McFeely and the Russos ultimately helped create as well. And, he, and and again, I love the direction that they have with it. But to me, when I read that script, and if I could read the script, it would be a roller coaster. It'd be up and down, loops, sideways, left, right, circles. It would be all over the place. And I think again, if there's one thing that I would love to have be nominated, it would it would overall be screenplay. I mean, it would overall be screenplay, but if they could get Best Picture, that would be a huge secondary win, especially personally for me if they got that. And I think an overall win for them if they got Best Picture. But I wish and I hope that the Academy looks at this screenplay and it gives it just a nomination. I'm not expecting it to win, but to give it at least a recognition, recognition of how great of a screenplay it is, even though it's based off of superheroes. It's really, it's based off of superheroes, but it's based off of the storylines that have interconnected for so many movies and for so many years that it brought finality in, in, in a way that I haven't seen in a long time and especially in a superhero movie Christopher Nolan is I think the closest thing that brought finality for me in terms of a superhero franchise but Avengers Endgame toppled that and, and I haven't seen anything like it in, in a long time and in and, and, and superheroes and in any kind of trilogy in a while as well that brought that kind of a finality to that kind of storyline I think is incredible. So I'm happy that Avengers Endgame is, is is submitting itself for consideration. But again, it's kind of sad not to see them put something out for RDJ. But at the same time, maybe he submits himself in for some consideration, kind of like what the Emmys did this year with Game of Thrones, in which HBO picked and chose who they wanted. But people like Gwendolyn Christie and Alfiada and the the woman who played who played the Red Woman, they submitted themselves for for Emmy consideration and they got nominated so maybe Downey does it by himself and his team helps him but um it's 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 I just think Marvel Studios wanted to focus on the movie overall itself and I have no problem with that whatsoever but I I hope the Academy looks at it the way that they even though it's more big and flashier unlike the Joker which is more character driven and down and gritty if, if art is art then I think they should look at it that way and see what accomplishments this movie made and what Marvel Studios did. So I hope that it gets some top-tier consideration at the top of this year's Academy Award. Avengers Endgame submits itself for Academy consideration. Guys, what do you think of all this? What do you think of Robert Downey Jr. not getting any kind of consideration from Marvel Studios to the Academy Awards? What do you think? Do you think it should be put up for Best Adapted Screenplay? What award do you think should get considered the most for Avengers Endgame or what category should be considered most for Avengers Endgame let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts now the final thing I want to talk about is the big trailer that came out this morning and that is the Richard Jewell trailer and it's based off of a true story and it's chronicled the events of Richard Jewell's life after he discovered the plot that resulted in the Centennial Olympic Park bombing in Atlanta, despite helping to evacuate civilians, Jewel was considered a suspect. It is based off of a, a true story, and I didn't hear anything about this until maybe about a week ago when they set a release date for December for this movie, that it was a Clint Eastwood-directed film, and that it had a stacked cast, and what this plot was about. 
and that it saw Paul Walter Hauser, who was on Cobra Kai. He was also in Black Klansman. He's somebody that has had a really, I think in my eyes, some really standout supporting roles, but now he gets to stand out as a lead actor. And in this trailer, I was hooked from beginning. The suspense of this trailer, the, the, ba- the fact that it's based on a true story, and also the fact that I really had no idea about this story until seeing the trailer, and so I know nothing about it. So not knowing what happened to this person and how it seems like this movie is going to deal with media scrutiny and, and and law enforcement and what's right, what's wrong, and who's right and who's wrong, and do you need to drag somebody through the mud and, and, and I think and tarnishing somebody who never really did anything bad I think is is incredible and, and again not knowing the story I, I was on the edge of my seat and I think this film especially because it's directed by Clint Eastwood and whenever you had Clint Eastwood's name on there I think any movie would get some kind of Oscar buzz even though it, it might be slight it's the mule was considered for some Oscar buzz last year which was directed and starred Clint Eastwood so Whenever he's around, there's always a faint little bit of Oscar buzz that could pick up towards the tail end of the year before nomination morning comes in January. But I definitely think if there's anything that could get some kind of awards consideration, it's in the acting, and it is for Paul Walter Hauser, who, again, like I said, he's had some significant supporting standout roles. But this is the first time I've seen him in a lead role, and it seems like he's going to kill it. I love what he does in this movie. Sam Rockwell seems like he has a great chemistry connection with him as well. John Hamm, Olivia Wilde played kind of the the law enforcement and the reporters that are trying to find out if this man is credible. But do they need to smear him in the same way that seems like they're doing? And Kathy Bates stars as Richard Jewell's mother and supporting him. So I'm really excited about this movie. And it, it has jumped on my radar of something that I'm intrigued to see when it comes out in December. Guys, what do you think about the Richard Jewell trailer? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. And guys, that's going to be it for this edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out my channel for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and much more. Also, make sure to tune in on the Ambiguous Network. And also, be sure to check out the amazing shows that are on the Ambiguous Network, such as You Mad Bro, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis. Also, check out Goal Driven Professionals geared toward improving client relations, return on investment, and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services. You can check them out on their websites, ambiguousproduction.com, also on Facebook and Twitter, at Real Ambiguous. Also, make sure to check me out on social media, on Twitter, at Bissell Samuel, and on Facebook, at Sam Bissell. Thank you guys again so much, and until next time, keep on screening.